right, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of the MXU video podcast. Number I'm nine. With my friends Zach Kimry and Rusty Anderson. What's up? We are here. Um, we're going to stop saying, hey, we made it because clearly we're still recording. We have. We have made we, it. I don't, uh, we haven't made it, but like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're we still recording podcasts. Cut us off yet, at least. That's right. Exactly. So we're still doing this. Um, it's exciting. Uh, and I think one of my favorite episodes, well, I've had a lot of favorite episodes, so I can't say one We've of my We've only favorite. had eight so far. I know, I know. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, the episode eight was about Dude Perfect and video switchers and, oh, well, Blackmagic video systems in general. It was uh, Rusty's take on experience that he had with Blackmagic video switchers. So I'd love to, at some point, we, we d- dive into that. Um, and also we should probably talk about the MXU tour that is coming up this week because this is airing, uh, on the week of the 29th and we should talk about the MXU tour because we are excited about that. So, yeah. So depending on when you hear this, but the MXU tour will start in about a week next week. That's right. September 9th, Atlanta. If you're anywhere in the Southeast, no excuse not to go there. Be a part of it. That's right. So I've um, had people people ask me about it. I want to make sure we're clear. Sorry, like yeah, you I, I think some people are still confused on like, hey, well, is there going to be training for video? Yes, a hundred percent. A big chunk of the day is like hands-on training for your video teams, directing how to operate a camera, some basic stuff, some advanced stuff, and same for lighting. There'll be a big chunk of the day where you will learn uh, the process of lighting and how to light and what the theory behind um, how Daniel Cannell lights, and then also some audio training um but more in like a a practical sound check process not just the three dudes mixing and you know comparing tracks but an actual band on stage so i think some people probably don't really if you haven't been it's hard to there's nothing like this anywhere and so it's not really clear about what it is but it's actual awesome hands-on training for your entire team rusty you're gonna find a senior faster pull them up teach them how to run camera that's what everybody keeps saying you gotta get some senior pastors to show up true and be there it's true uh, well, I know that uh, my worship leader from my church that I uh, serve at, and we call our church home, uh, it's a small church here in North Atlanta, and uh, they're going to be there, um, him and his volunteer team, production and worship team, is going to be there. So, uh, yeah, maybe he can run camera. Um, but it's going to be fun. When I, Anytime I describe the the day to people, and I'm like encouraging my guys, like, hey, you need to be there and bring the team. It's like it gets me excited because I'm like, you're right, there is nothing like it, nothing like it out there. Definitely. So, so, so September 9th, Atlanta. September 13th, Chicago. September 16th, Dallas area. Um, so hopefully you can make it to one of those. Y'all got to eat some barbecue uh, while we'll you're down there in Texas. Mm. That's what someone I'm needs so to put in in some comments. Is where these guys need to go eat barbecue. Please, That's good. please. Let me know. So we're going to be in the, it's like North Dallas is Frisco area. So yeah. Side note. Speaking of that episode eight, my son was like, I told him the other day, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be near Frisco. And he's like, dude, perfect. That's all he said. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so anyway. um, All right. So speaking of d- dude, perfect episode eight, Rusty, what's your, uh, what's feedback been happening? Like uh, on the black, black magic video system. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, first off, I love it when uh, our listeners and just people who do what we do reach out on Instagram. I am, uh, I am not above a DM, so I'm accessible. And so, like when people will were writing me and saying some 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 of their similar experiences, I had a lot of people say, "Hey, I have you know very similar thoughts, similar experiences with Black Magic," um, which was encouraging. So I wasn't like totally off base. Um, then I had some people, obviously, like I haven't used those switchers a ton. Um, so I was kind of thrown into it and it was, you know, with, a, with, it was a newer frame, but an older panel. So there's a lot of different things that I, I was dealing with. Um, so I was grateful for the people that reached out and said, Hey, you can do some of these things. Um, but overall, I, I think I talked about memories were really difficult to do, um, or I couldn't do memories. And so I did learn that you can do the memory of like the switcher state so that when you power it on, you can recall the state. Mm. So that's helpful. Um, it's still not the memories to how I use it. Like I'm, you know, during a complicated show with the normal switcher, I'm recalling memories all the time. Yep. Um, and, it, and if and if you don't, if you haven't been in this world, I understand that you don't you don't realize how people use memories. Like I'm on, on some shows, people actually cut cameras via memories. 
because it's just an easier way to. Yeah, the first time that quickly. was told to me, my mind was blown. I was like, oh, wow. Right. It was actually a guy that was a, he used a grass a lot. And he was like, yeah, I just I cut the cameras with a memory. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I think it was one of my first passion conferences where we had, you know, 17 cameras or whatever. And Brendan Petty did it one time. I think you did it one time too, Jeremy, mm-hmm. where you guys remapped and you like, yeah, did memories to cut cameras. Because if, if you have 17 cameras on a bus map, that's a lot of lateral movement on your hand. Yeah. And so if you can use the memories, you can get, um, get, get to those cameras a lot quicker. So anyway, um, that was helpful. Those people kind of explained that there are, there is a limited version of memories. Um, people mentioned that's you know, the newer console, which I haven't used yet does have some upgrades like with macros, there is a way to fire a macro without having to hit play. Um, which, which is nice. That seems like a, that's a, a duh kind of thing. Yeah. So glad they did that. Um, now one interesting comment I had, this is this is uh, pointed at you, Jeremy. Oh, I had an integrator say that um, from the integrator side, a lot of times they feel like, due to budget reasons, they're stuck in Blackmagic. They don't have mm. all their other options. Yep. And that's a uh, that's where the manufacturers got to come through with. I don't know how you compete with a company like Blackmagic who just sells it on B and H, but that is like there's that that gap of um, that you know lower market. Product. Yeah, it's a real it's a real struggle. I mean, I would say that's what I talk to people every day about is like at the end of the day, there's um there's a different level in equipment. And sadly, so audio console, maybe some of our audience will will uh resonate with this is like audio consoles have figured out how to have a wide range of different audio. Like you've got Behringer, Midas, Yamaha, Digico, like there's a there's a larger spectrum of price points with video switchers, it's like the bottom and then mid and large, and there's not much in between. And so from even from a a feature set standpoint, there's no like really blurring and blending the lines. So that's, it it is a big struggle. And at the end of the day, it's all about pieces and components that you use to manufacture things. And so it's, um, it's definitely difficult, but I have a lot of more thoughts about that. So, uh, feel free to, Ping me if you want to help. If you want to hear more of my thoughts, slide into Bagwell's DMs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> slide on in. Yeah, I had someone offer up. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. They they said this is to be a podcast episode we should do. But they were asked. They were kind of wondering. Well, they said it'd be awesome to learn more about what a router is and why. Mm. Why would I need a router mm. versus just a switcher? Because I mean, especially with like the Black Magic constellation, they kind of sell it as both. I don't know, it's like 40 inputs, 24 outputs or something like that. So it's almost like a router. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a good topic to talk about at some point. Bagwell, Mr. Ross. At what you point ever do you need a, a router? You ever seen a Carbonite oh, Extreme? Uh, I have seen one, one time. Yes. Yep. That is a switcher router. Yes. But yeah. I had to throw that in <laughs> I just tried. I I, Elevation Lake Norman has one and it's like, oh, this is, this is different. I mean, it works, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will say our Ultrix platform is a much better version of that. Yeah, for sure. Much more bad to bump. There and, were a lot yeah. of Carbonite uh, names there. Because on the Do Perfect Tour, I had the Carbonite Multimedia. Oh, yeah. Car- it sounded yeah. like something from the 90s. There's a lot of things, yes. Carbonite can get yeah. very confusing sometimes, I think, especially with the older stuff and what do you got. And Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to look up, like, look, what can I do with this one? And, like looking for the spreadsheet that was like all the check marks of what features do I have. The real struggle, the real struggle is that because we, we, Ross builds. Now, this is me putting my Ross hat on. Y'all forced me into this place of talking about it. Jeez. <laughs> um, the real struggle is that we make gear to last. And so, therefore, yes, there is many iterations of product that have been out there for such a long time and it's still running. Um, and the hardest part about uh, in a manufacturer world that has the values that Ross has is like, hey, we feel a responsibility to support that and continue it. And, um, upgrade it where, when possible, you know? So that's why there's many iterations of it. Yeah. Still I mean, it's like carbonite updates are still coming out, you know, like yeah. that, that's cool. And carbonite that you can still actively update. There are some frames that I know of, at least in the elevation ecosystem that are very, very old and they're still running current software and they're absolutely amazing. Yep. yep. All right. Since y'all, cool. since you drug me down in that world, Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just don't love... Uh, anyway, 
it's just, fine. I just have this tension of being the Ross guy and on a podcast, but you know, I just don't want to be the sales guy that's always pro Ross. But yeah, I'm well, a- let me help you out here. I think part of the DMs that solidified in my mind that we do need to make some Black Magic Switcher content mm. on the MXU platform because there's a bunch of people using it. Yeah, and I, I think probably a bunch of people could get more out of it. Yeah, um, but then also would help help educate people about the differences. Yep, correct. It's great. Um, all right, let's talk about our guest this week. Um, I am super, super excited about our guest this week. Uh, his name is Micah Stevens from uh, North Point, uh, also North Point Community Church, North Point Ministries, all one and the same. Um, Pastor Andy Stanley, Micah has been there for a long time, and uh, yeah, it's Rusty. What's what's one of your takeaways from that conversation that we had? Or or even Zach. Zach wasn't uh, part of the interview, but Zach. You've, you've heard what Micah had to say. So either one of you, what's your, what's your takeaways? I think Micah is just one of the most genuine guys that I've ever met to be as knowledgeable and intelligent as he is. Um, the fact that so many people don't know uh, that what they're even trying to do at their church is because of Micah. Um, and I think it's a very, it's an honor to me to, even though I wasn't there with y'all in the room, but to have met him and done gigs with him. Um, he's just, he's a legendary dude. That's for sure. Um, we, a lot yeah, of us 100%. that don't even yep. realize it, owe a lot to him. Yep. Totally. I think for me, like I've only, I've known Micah for a while, but I've usually only interact with him on events. So it's like show mode Micah who is brilliant and executing flawlessly and getting things done. Um, so I already knew that side. But then to have the conversation with him, and you guys got to stick around to the end of the conversation to hear his heart behind what he does, um, that was really refreshing and encouraging to me. And uh, it's a testament of of how he's able to be in the game so long. I mean, yep. uh, like he's going to talk about how long he's been at North Point at the same church. So um, his heart behind it was super encouraging to me. Yep. And you know, just so you know, just stick around. It is a long interview, but it is so worth it. Um, Micah, we'll talk about... Uh, in the interview, but Micah has been on the forefront of innovation in video church world. So there's a great debate among who started video church, what church kind of pioneered the whole thing. And we don't even get into that, but Micah has seen every iteration of video church and been part of that whole innovation process. So for us, I knew when we started this podcast that I wanted to interview Micah just to say, we all need a history lesson in what is church as we know it. And in fact, because of video church and because of some other technologies developing this whole teaching TV where a pastor has a TV on stage where words come in and they interact with this uh, scripture that's on a TV. Uh, Micah was one of the ones that really made and pushed that uh, forward. And so we have a lot to uh, thank him for in that. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited. And he that- gives some tips and tricks. Yes. So your church does that. And you, I mean, I get questions all the time about that. So yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. Let's yep. get let's get to it. Let's go. Here we go. All right. So welcome our guest and my friend, Micah Stevens to the podcast. Micah, we're excited about you being here. Um, we're actually in person at North Point, which is exciting. Um, and Rusty is here with me. Thanks for letting us take over your podcasting suite. That's why, why it sounds so great to everyone That's right. out there. That's right. Um, so Micah... And I worked together at North Point, and um, I was super grateful for what you've done uh, for me and helping me learn all like all things video, how North Point operates. It was an awesome experience. But um, I knew I wanted you on this podcast since day one. Like I'm like, Micah, you've been at North Point for 15 years, uh, 20 years? A little over 19. Okay, a little over 19 years. So you've been at North Point working for a church. Let's call it 20. 20. <laughs> Not quite. Um, I don't have those benefits yet, but yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So tell these good people, our listeners, like who you are. Let me say it real quick. Let me yes. say it real quick. I, yeah. I just want to, I, I feel very confident that I can say that almost everyone listening to this podcast right now, if you are in church production in any way, especially church video production, but not even video only, you have been influenced by Micah and you probably don't even know it. That's that. I mean that's that's how big of a deal it is for you to be on this podcast. So super excited about this conversation. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah. I am so not a big deal. And I, um, uh, you know, honestly, I just have a great team of uh, guys and girls that, that make everything here at North Point look good. So they're really the ones that have really innovated and, and gotten us there. I just happened to be with them. So. Yeah. I love that. That's great. It's great that you said that, but I know I know that you are a big part of leading that team. And um, when I knew we were doing a video podcast and uh, there's been such innovation over the last uh, 20 years in church video, not just iMag, but like video church in general, like, hey, what does it look like to show up at a campus of a church? That whole campus idea, I don't think existed 20 years ago, maybe I don't even know. Maybe it was 30 years ago. We Somebody will tell us when that thing started. But, Micah, you were on the forefront. Before we go there, let's make sure, like, in, introduce yourself. Like, what do you do at North Point? Um, and maybe a real quick, like, how you got to North Point, like, what you did, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Sure. Um, so, I guess my position at North Point is production director. Uh, pretty simple. I'm not really big on titles. So, um, I simply I have I have two kind of main responsibilities and one has to do you know now it's changed over the years but for now right now I oversee kind of all of the installation and uh, maintenance and whatever for production equipment across our campuses um, and then I also oversee everything having to do with broadcast uh, every anything having to do with broadcasting Andy or other teachers, you know, transport across campuses, video streaming, some of that kind of stuff. So those are kind of the two, like I, I have a little bit of responsibility with live as it relates to uh, the teaching portion of Sunday mornings and then um, all of the production tech across campuses. So okay. how many campuses, question one, and question two, when you say broadcast, does that include, you guys are on the air still, local networks, does that include... Yeah, involvement and anything basically broadcasted to any other campus or online. Yeah, so mainly when I say broadcast, I'm talking about uh, online and between our campuses here in Atlanta. There's eight campuses here in Atlanta. Most of them are pretty much live with us on Sunday mornings. Um, we have one that meets in the evening while they're working on a permanent facility, but um, we broadcast from from a you know from a bunch of the campuses to a bunch of campuses, just depending on what we're doing on a Sunday morning. Um, and then yeah, also online, we are also on television. I don't do a whole lot. It's kind of like, I I have a counterpart that kind of deals with anything that's created and anything that, um, happens out of a service. So kind of like he hands me tapes to play back in the old school talking about tapes. He hands me tapes to play back and then I hand him tapes to then edit and get on actual television or on websites or YouTube or wherever, wherever the media goes at that point. But all the things used to capture whatever's being broadcast, whether it be Andy's message, worship, somebody else's message, like all the lighting, cameras, audio, all that tech stuff comes under your stewardship, I guess, and leadership. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I don't I, I don't deal a whole lot with programming in particular. So I don't sit around in a creative meeting and talk about the worship set or what we're going to do for a special. Um, I might be pulled in to help figure out how we're going to execute that or something, but I'm not directly responsible for a lot of the creative and programming that happens outside of message. Cool. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that. You know, when I first came on, I was um, the North Point production director as well as multi-campus. But um, over time, you know, responsibilities grew. And um, now you sit more like an umbrella position over all the campuses. Cause some, some listeners might be confused. North Point, is the ministry and also a campus. That is correct. There's a, there's a North Point Ministries that is the umbrella for all of our campuses here in Atlanta and some of our partnership stuff yeah. and all of that. And then there's also North Point Community Church that is the church here in Alpharetta. Um, yeah. yeah, I always, so I worked at North Point Community Church local, so I was not on Micah's team, I was on the local team, but people are like, what do you, like, what campus? I was like, it's the North Point, North Point campus. You're right, That's yeah. how I said it. It's like the North Point, North Point. Yeah, and, uh, and North Point's kind of unique, I think, in church world. I think this is true. Y'all can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, you know, a lot of churches... My that, dream to one day tell Micah that he's wrong about something. <laughs> yeah, but oh please go ahead. <laughs> I'm wrong all the time. Um, but 
a lot of churches have a kind of a one church multi-location type of setup. And there's a lot of stuff done centrally that's kind of handed down and here's what you're going to do. Um, and North Point's philosophy is a little bit different in that we have eight independent churches. I mean, I don't say independent. They're all under the umbrella, but they're, they have a lot of autonomy with what they do. There's not centralized programming. There's not centralized, um, you know, worship sets and that kind of thing. We don't have a, a central team that's going out and programming lights at every location. Like it's, it's not centralized in that way. There's a lot of autonomy in what the campuses, the campus pastors and those teams do and how they meet their community on a local level. So it's a little bit different setup. So, you know, when you say something like my team oversees tech, I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm responsible to make sure that the audio console at such and such, you know, campus is, is maintained and working properly. That's probably a true statement. How it's operated and how well it's operated and how good it sounds is not necessarily within my purview, though I probably have some influence there and how we can make things better. Yeah, sure. I think, uh, what I'm excited about this conversation is like um, just the history side of like what is um, production at a church and then the concept of video church and campuses and how we got to where we're at and all that. And you have been working for a church through a lot of innovation. Um, and Rusty, tell the, tell the listeners like uh, what you told me before we started, like they might not, they might know him, but not know Micah thing. Well, yeah, that's so kind of what I was hinting at earlier is I feel like I feel really confident in saying that almost everyone in what you do day to day at a church, you are influenced by something that Micah has done over the past 20 yeah. years. Yeah. So whether that's uh, let's get into some of these, but whether you've if your pastor does a TV on stage and they interact with that TV, yep. you should thank Micah yep. uh, for figuring or that or out. Not you if, had to, or not. Or not. Or not. Think, but if it's something you we'll like. We'll dive into that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they were they were, you know, one of the first ones to do that. And then to help help other churches figure out how to do it. Uh, if you, and the, the whole idea of uh, broadcasting a message so that, I, you know, I go to a church and I don't have a live speaker on stage, but I still have a live sermon. Um, like a lot of churches, who, who knows who's the first to do that? But I feel pretty confident that North Point was one of the first to really master it and do it well. I remember the first time I came, um, maybe this will be a segue to get into it, but uh, so I'm from the Atlanta area. Uh, my wife and I went to North Point you know, off and on growing up, there was a season in our life after college before Passion City Church started where we were, uh, Buckhead was our church because um, we lived uh, in, in, in town. But anyway, like, which I, is a North Point campus. Which is a North Point campus, yeah. right. So we'd go to Buckhead some, and then sometimes we would go up to North Point, North Point, as you say, in Alpharetta. Um, and I remember there being, there was an East and West auditorium, right? And you would, I think, if I remember correctly, depending on the Sunday, you would go, like, depending on if your last name was A through L, you would go to East. If you're M through Z, you would go to West yeah. or something like that. And so we were, okay, now we're in West Auditorium. And so I was sitting in one of those auditoriums at one point, and it's all live worship. It's incredible. And then the message starts. And you sit there for a few minutes before you realize, oh, wait, there's no one on that stage. That's a screen that I'm looking at, but the screen is massive, and it looks like someone's actually standing there. So you guys are, like, one of the first ones to really do that well. Um, I mean, I'd love to hear more about that, like how you actually figured out the technology to do that and why you did it and why you chose to do it that way. So those yeah. were a couple of examples. But what, what which what, one should we start with? What year was that? You, that would probably you... been like, so I graduated college in 07. So it was like 07, probably 06, 07, 08, okay. somewhere in that range. Right. Yeah. So that is, yeah. I mean, video has, as a technology, has even grown so much since then. For uh, sure. And projectors and all that kind of stuff. For sure. But, um, I, yeah. Was the teaching TV... Did that start pre or post like multi campus? That was definitely post. Post yeah. multi campus. So yeah. let's start with let's start with the multi campus thing. Yeah. Sure. Let's give us a little rundown of church history one oh one. I mean, no <laughs> one I, yeah, who knows who started the actual video church, right. but you guys early on were like What was the need? Yeah. I'm curious, like what was the was need? Say, like when did somebody and then say, how how did we get to the solution? Yeah. Cool. So well, I wasn't here when the West Auditorium was built, which was kind of our the second venue on on site. I, it was a little bit before me. I, it was probably I think it opened like three months before I actually started volunteering, which was a couple of years before I came on staff. So I I'm going to be terrible with the dates, and somebody will correct me. I think it was somewhere around 2001 that they they did the they built the West Auditorium or or opened the West Auditorium where we started. Um, 
broadcasting the message from our East Auditorium over to our West Auditorium. Was that that was pre campuses? That was pre campuses. Okay. Yeah. So um, the need was they just outgrew the space. I right. mean, you know, as a um, as a as a church, we just we couldn't fit everybody in one auditorium, and the church just continued to grow and grow and grow. Yeah, and so instead of doing ten services on a Sunday, let's build. Let's build some more capacity. Yeah. Uh, or uh, the other option would build build a five thousand seat auditorium. Right, and that was definitely a discussion. Like even after I came on staff, there was still a, the a discussion that went on for a number of years. Of you know, we have this big lawn. If you've ever been here, seen pictures, there's this big lawn out in front of the the church that was kind of earmarked to you know throw some massive wow. auditorium up. You know, five thousand seventy five hundred yeah. seats or something like that. Um. And, you know, turn the West Auditorium into a gym or something like that, move students into the East Auditorium, whatever. There were, there were a lot of discussions about that still, um, you know, even after I came on staff. The West was, I think, was kind of a temporary solution to, yeah. to try and, and solve the capacity problem here on the campus. Mm. Um, well, so, so was the decision of doing video in the West pre-U? Yes. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It was it was pioneered before me. There were okay. you know gotcha. there were guys before me that, yeah, yeah. that kind of came up with, hey, here's what we've got to do, and here's some of the the things we got to think about, um, in regards to it. You know, there's there's stories about the the camera that we used in the east to to shoot the the center shot was the same camera that they put on the space shuttle, mm. um, because we we is went that a true to, story. That's a true. That's it, it really is a true story. <laughs> Um, because Aaron, who was the guy kind of before me that pioneered that, went to, you know, Panasonic, who was one of our kind of manufacturers that we worked with and said, I need cameras that do this sheet of paper with this. And they're like, okay, well, let us come back to you. And they made him sign an NDA and, and all of this kind of stuff and said, okay, well, working on this camera for NASA, for the space shuttle that, you know, we think we can talk. And I think we got like serial number three or something of that camera. And, and what, so installed in the, we have a lot of gearheads on this. Listen to this. What what was yeah. special about that camera? Um, I don't remember the details yeah. of that. Honestly, it was before me. It was the 720p. It was 720p. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of the prog- the progressive at you know there was 1080i at the time. 720p was still was being developed. It was a real thing, but it was also kind of it was kind of new. It was yeah. you know and. There were some certain aspects that they that they needed along with that. In context, I bought in 2007 my first house. I bought a 720p plasma to put in my house for a thousand bucks, which was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was 2007, and we're talking about an auditorium that was being built in 01. Yeah, with a 720p. So that's like 720 hey, HD. Was yeah, hot at, at the time HD was very. New it was still very, very, very new. Yeah, um, you know, and was for even a number of years. Right, HD yeah. was still a kind of this. You know, it was very expensive. Yeah, um, but it was also just kind of uh, yeah, it was very new. Cool. So then, so East and West auditoriums are, are rocking. And you've got live bands in both, and then the message starts, and then you you send over the center stage camera shot and an IMAG feed. Correct. Right, yeah. So side SD, screens. SD on the sides and, and HD in the center. HD ish on the center. HD ish. <laughs> yeah, 720 on the center. Yeah. There's um, still a lot but it made of it look 720p like, out there on oh, broadcast. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, but it made it look like there was a life size speaker yeah. on the stage. Yeah. Um, and there, I, I think it's fascinating that there's a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like you had to make sure set builds matched. Yeah. Right. So that the camera shot looked real. Like you guys went to that kind of detail. Yeah. There was a time where we went into a lot of detail. You know, even after we built campuses, when we were sending this, that we really we wanted stages to look as similar as possible. Right. Yeah. When the when that center screen came down, was there a moment in East and West Auditorium functioning and and like, man, this thing's working. People are showing up. And was there a moment on staff that folks were like, wait, we're onto something here. Like, maybe we could do this in different locations like did that was that the a conversation oh absolutely i think um i think the story gets told and um i think this is i think this is correct i think andy tells the story i don't know how often he tells it out in public or if it just yeah. gets talked about on staff he talks about how 
we had built the West Auditorium. We had the whole sides and center screen thing done and, you know, both auditoriums full and, you know, massive, you know, massive crowds of people, a lot of little people management. He's walking out after services in between the East and West auditoriums. There was a, there was a hallway where you could walk and he was walking out and some, a, a random guy, I don't think it was even somebody he knew, um, just stopped him and said, Hey, you can do that anywhere. Oh, wow. Um, and so I think that's what kind of spurred on the whole idea of, oh, okay, well, maybe we need to figure this out um, and how we, how we can do that. And then you've got a group of people in Buckhead who felt like they needed a, they wanted to invite their friends to church, which is what we're trying, you know, what we try to do. We're trying yeah. to um, get more people into church, non-believers. And so it was kind of like, hey, uh, we want, we want to, we want to invite our friends, but driving up. 400 all the way to Alpharetta is a, is a long way. So we want something local. So you had a group of people that were wanting to go out there and fund it and figure it out. And so that's how we kind of started our second campus. What year was that? Do you know? Um, I think it was still sometime in the 2000, probably 2002, 2001, when they, when they started meeting temporarily in, um, in a hotel every week. Yeah. Um, and then, we actually opened the building, um, our, our first temporary location, which was a, a converted grocery store, uh, in 2003 on Easter, 2003, it was actually right after I started. One of the first things I was helping work on was trying to get that campus finished, mm. finalized. Cool. Um, before we, so was that, Easter. was that campus live messages or was it like, Oh, we, one week, one week delay kind of thing. One or? week delay. Okay. So, which was, ah. which was kind of how we started with campuses in the beginning was, was this one week delay thing um, where, because, and some of that had to do with technology. So you've got HD and you've got SD and it's super hard. I mean, it, that was a super hard thing at the time. It's hard to talk to manufacturers about and try to get them to understand why you're trying to sync these two signals together yeah. Yeah. and then keep them in sync when you go to play them back a week later or, or whatever that totally, looks like. Yeah. Um, so, there wasn't honestly just the technology to be able to do anything other than um, just hand some tapes off. And so we literally handed over the masters for whichever service we decided was the better service, handed off the masters and had a second set of recording decks. And that, back in that time, it was a D5, um, $100,000, you know, record and playback deck Jeez. sitting down there along with a DVC Pro deck, I think. And you know, figured out how to get those two playback in sync and that's, you know, handed off the tapes and that's how they played it a week later. Wow. That's how we did it for a lot of years. Wow. How do you get them to play back in sync? <laughs> you just hit um, play at the same time. I don't know if we got so, Okay, that. we don't want to do that. We don't do that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if anybody's well, nerd, nerdy enough to really know that, I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah, yeah, old old ways you should edit tapes together. Anyway, if you, like, if you had to create a tape to tape edit, yeah. I'm really aging myself. I didn't really do that, but, you know, my start into production, I was probably on the tail end of that whole tape to tape type of editing. All right. That's pretty cool. So, Before non-linear. So then what, what, talk to us about the transition from, hey, we're on one week delay. At what point was it decided? If, if this is the next step in the story, don't let me, let me jump anything, but hey, we want to get in sync every week. Man, I, I don't remember off the top of my head how many, how many years later it was, yeah. but it wasn't that long after we started another campus up north of Brownsbridge. Uh, it got to the point where it's kind of like, okay, we can't just ship these tapes. We only have one set of masters, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, we, we had figured out some, some other ways to do some stuff and, and, you know, copying tapes and stuff like that. But it was, you know, it was a cumbersome, like we're not going to really grow like that. And there's other, there were other things too, you know, when, you, when you start getting in, you know, it was around the time that Twitter started becoming a thing um, and social media, Facebook, you've got people that are having one experience one week with a oh, campus. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the series didn't start right. until the following week. They're you start getting calendar things. It's like, well, we want to launch groups in a particular week and talk about that with a message, but you can't talk about dates. Like it just, it just became extremely cumbersome, which, you know, I don't know if anybody does a week delay anymore out in church world versus, you know, a lot of technologies out there that, to do it on the same Sunday anymore. But just imagine the, a lot of the challenges that came with calendars and schedules and right. all of that. Yeah. So uh, now, now 
currently, how many campuses are there? Have we said that? I think we mentioned eight. Oh, There's eight, eight campuses, campuses including North Point. Uh, cool. So obviously that campus thing took off and you guys then iterated in technology and, you know, different ways throughout that time. Um, what was it about the center and sides? So these two different feeds, like this massive, what, 30-foot wide screen? Yeah, 28 feet by 16 feet. Okay, 28 by 16. Like what was it about that and the side screens? Like was that really important then or was it just a product of like what we kind of thought about Video Church then? I think, I mean, we at least thought it was important. Okay. I, I still think it's important. We do have campuses that don't have a center screen. Some okay. of it's due to, most of it is due to just physical space. We've converted another grocery store and we've got a church that's in a converted church. And so there's, some of it's a physical, literally a physical space thing. Um, so I don't think it's a critical need. Mm. Do I think mm. it's helpful? Absolutely. And technology's made it more affordable impossible and not such, you know, not such a steep hill to climb um, that I do believe it's helpful. And we do believe it's a a very helpful tool for people, um, you know, to sit in a room and be able to see the context, you know, simple things, particularly, I know we'll talk about this later, the teaching display thing. It's like, okay, well, the teaching display is still there. You're not, you're not waiting on a camera shot to come back to it for you to try and, and figure out maybe what that thing says if you're a note taker mm. and maybe we didn't take a long enough shot of it or Andy moved away from it too fast or whatever that whatever that stumbling block is. Having it sitting there in front of you is helpful. And for people in the first five rows, say they're not kind of craning their neck maybe to try and get a shot of an iMag that's it's much more comfortable just to sit there on yeah. the front few rows and just look at that screen in the center. Yeah. So I love that point because one of the things I often talk about, people are like, how do we, how do we, shoot our pastor's message and I always people always ask me like how often how long should or how frequently should we change camera shots and my answer is always I don't know it depends on the context like it has nothing to do with it's been up there five minutes I should change it it's all about what is the pastor trying to do and is my camera shot doing the best job of helping tell that story and so I often think about a pastor with props and it's so stressful to like to get the right shot of the TV or get the right shot of this prop table and he's going to do some sort of illustration. But if you have that static center camera that is locked on to a full stage and you can always see a life-size version of the pastor and whatever he's inter- interacting with, it's a much better experience. Yeah, it probably relieves some of the pressure of, of having to get things right. And it's not just about the camera shots. It's also about whoever's communicating and making sure they know what's best for camera shots too, which is often harder than just right. getting the right camera that's, shot. I, I want to talk about that at some point. We should teaching TV and then t- I want to talk about that. Cause I feel like that's like every production guy's dream is to be able to have a communicator that like thinks production. Yeah. And I do think or at least North, cares. <laughs> yeah. I think North point has done a great job at like helping coach a little bit. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so I'll we should talk that. about a little bit about that, but. Anyway, teaching. Should we talk about the teaching display? Well, real quick, before we jump to that. So the may, is it important to say, like, how do you currently broadcast between campuses or how is that? And what's a quick high-level story of how that's changed over the last 10 years? Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, there's – you go into a lot of detail, and I, I love the stuff. You know, there's a lot of – this is strange. There's a lot of production directors that are very like kind of production focused, don't really like gear. They just like what it does for them. I'm not one of those guys. I'm also, I mean, I am one of those guys. I love production. I love live production, but I'm also a gearhead. So I really enjoy a lot of gear and I specifically enjoy transport streaming, you know, broadcasts and all that stuff. Like that's, that's something I absolutely love. But anyway, so I could, I could talk about that for days. Uh, we went from a pretty simple setup. We got uh, from the telephone company, we got SDI lines. So essentially what it did was convert SDI video over to fiber and send it to the other side, just a kind of a direct link. It's just like, you know, one big long SDI cable yep. and send it from one location to another, put a server in play that could record that so that they could press play a couple minutes later at another campus, not have to be completely in lockstep. Um and that's how we started with most of our campuses. We've some of the technology has changed. We're using um, twenty one ten, um, which is a you know for those of you who don't know, it's like the the next iteration of just like SDI was a an you know an up was a step up from things like composite and component VGA. 
<laughs> VGA, oh, <God>. whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, this is kind of the next iteration. It's it's taking all of those signals and putting them over a network. So it's just, you know, a, a, a regular old network switch with all these video signals. Sh- shameless plug. The episode, the episode after this one airs, we have a episode of tw- at, uh, all about 2110 yeah. and IP video. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to yeah. learning a lot. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so, so we have 2110, but we also we also have some other things that we're doing, such as um, you know SRT streams between locations. Um, when some of our our locations that we don't have dark fiber to, and then um, things like Resi and um, High Vision Connect and um, other other products that that um, accomplish a lot of the same things as trying to as far as trying to be on the the same page particularly those campuses that are not in time with us we're able to have a little bit more flexibility with what we can do with other compressed technologies yeah a lot of times when we interview uh folks who work for churches um it's it's easy to just take what you guys do and like as a listener and say okay well i'm going to do that but like north point's got a lot of nuance to how you guys operate there's a lot of reasons why you choose the technology you do. So, like, while 2110 works really well for what you guys do, um, it's not a copy and paste to every church organization. So I just want to always say that. And Absolutely. You know. and, and, and let me also say that, I mean, yes, thanks for addressing that. Um, that's something I should have said earlier is, like, just because it's what we do doesn't mean that that is, you know, that it is the right fit for everyone. We had a lot of, even the SDI thing was, you know, would have been overkill if I just had to go maybe one look, you know, mm-hmm. one um, direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also had to be able to receive from all of these locations too, or have Andy go to one of these other campuses and broadcast just like oh, everywhere yeah. else. So there's a lot of other requirements that we're not talking about that kind of mandated why we would do that. And that's why something like an SRT stream over to another location works just fine because I don't have to originate for that campus. Yep. Um, I have some return feeds, but I don't have to, I don't have to send Andy out there, broadcast something, record it for television, send it all back here. Like, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that we do that's, you know, a little bit more complicated because of the specific requirements that we have. So, yes, 2110 is not for most anybody. Yeah. As we'll find out in our next episode, which we're excited about. Um, All right. So, teaching TV? Yeah. What do you guys call it? I have people call it plasma. Teaching TV. It gets called everything okay. around here. So I mean, originally, <laughs> originally we just called it the plasma because it was literally a plasma TV at the time. They still make plasma TVs? I don't think they make t- plasma TVs. Yeah, I, don't think so I still have a couple in my house. They yeah. still look better yeah, than they, a lot I, of stuff. It will survive every the night. I watch my yeah. 720 plasma with the four inch bezel around it. <laughs> I have two of them. Still watch them. Still yeah. use them. Um, so it was called the plasma. Uh, I try to refer to it as a teaching display. Um, but you know, a lot of times it also gets, now it's an OLED display yeah. and we call it an OLED. So, uh, you know, it gets, it gets called all manner of different things. Yeah. And it was a plasma TV even through like when I was working here. So like two years ago, like it wasn't maybe, maybe three years ago at best is when it went to OLED. Yeah. But it was the. Well, you know. And, OLED was expensive until like recently. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think our first OLED was like $3,000. Yes. I mean, it was a super expensive display to, to put out there. Um, so what's the, what's the history behind that? What was the need? Um, I don't know, just enlighten us. <laughs> so it kind of grew out of Andy started wanting to do, wanted to kind of display a lot of stuff or highlight parts of scripture or words or phrases and started using a flip chart on stage. So a big white flip chart on an easel. Um, those are and, great for cameras. And yeah, it was my favorite. <laughs> and um, so honestly, one of the biggest things was I just want to get this big white blob off of a stage. Andy would have typically, you know, speaks 35, 40 minutes, you know, and he might refer to this flip chart for, you know, a couple minutes, five minutes of a of a of an entire message. But it's always there. But it's always there. This big white thing. I gotta try to figure out how to get out of shots and um and so that was honestly that was my motivation for saying, "Hey, let's put a display, let's let's put a plasma on a stand next to you at these times that you want to want to um, want to show this stuff." Was he like writing on it, no. or oh, it was pre-written? It was pre-written. Okay, it was you know he would say what he wanted to put on it, and and it would get written on there. Somebody on our team wrote it, 
but it wasn't um yeah he wasn't he was not writing he he doesn't really have any desire to write anything on you know even a display or anything now not just not his thing um and so i was just like let's let's try to do this in another way let's put a tv on a stand and let's figure out how to to do that and that's kind of how that was born i guess you would say so then that was that was after the east and west auditorium that was after broadcasting to other spaces yeah that was after multi-campus had started or oh yeah i think so okay i mean i don't i I honestly i don't remember the year but it's it's not like it's this thing that's crazy old um i mean 10 12 years maybe okay but i feel like everybody is doing it now and i think i i don't know still see questions online about hey how do i do a teaching table oh no i got one it's the most asked question we get as a team (laughs) yeah We, we probably get an email or two a week about hey what are y'all using to do this? How are you doing this? Yeah. What so, are some tips or tricks? I was say, like, yeah. what are some pitfalls to avoid? What are some things you've learned? Um, so clearly, you are. I, I will say you are, if not the one that originated this idea, you are pretty dang close to the. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter if you if you started it. You guys do it the best. Yeah. I would say some people ask me how to do it. I say I don't know. Ask North Point. <laughs> so that's why we get all those emails. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't know who was first to do it or whatever it doesn't doesn't really yeah. matter that um i think you know we've learned a lot along the way and it's it's even more from what i was i was trying to just trying to get rid of a flip chart i mean it's really all we were trying to do but it kind of it kind of grew into something that was kind of critical or is critical to andy's kind of teaching style now when it comes to preaching on a sunday morning um you know it it grew into something where he can stand next to scripture instead of it just showing up over top of him and talk about it, highlight words, point at words, hang out on it, allows him, allows, actually allows him to have the control over how much time we focus on it based on how long he decides to stand next to it. Mm. Um, and so it, it's helped a lot with, with that kind of thing. It's, and one thing you may not know, or you may know is we, all, we also have a preview. So there's a preview under the cameras as well that has notes. It's not, it's not a, it's not like next slide or anything like that. It's an actual preview of, of upcoming notes. And it's, it's allowed him, it allowed him to transition from having notes beside him and his outline beside him to being able to go without, without notes, without a, another table there with his notes or anything and just go through the message knowing what's, what's coming up and, and helping him keep on track. Hopefully he doesn't mind me saying that. Well, no, I think it's no I'm, secret that pastors around the world have – some type of confidence monitor. I remember reading his book, Communicating for a Change, years ago, and it's like I was blown away that how much he word for word almost. We well, used to back then, like write a lot of it out. Yeah, it's public knowledge. Yeah, um, I I will say when I worked at Renewed Vision, we were working on ProPresenter Seven, and as like a test file, we got that week North Point's Andy file. I remember this, and I opened this this ProPresenter file, and I was floored at the intricacy of the of the slides and how many slides were hidden as note slides that I had no idea ever existed. So like the, the person attending on a Sunday sees probably 10% of the actual slides of the presentation. Right. Yeah. It's just true. so much. It's really incredible. And I cannot imagine being that operator. Who's, I think it's one of the most stressful things in our organization yeah. It's one of the, and honestly they're volunteers. So wow. we've got, you know, multiple volunteers, depending on the communicator, you know, a bunch of guys that guys and girls that, um, that run that. It's got to be the most stressful volunteer position. That do they have, have like, uh, like does Andy or whoever the communicator, do they have like visual cues that you're looking for that like, um, like for me with Louie, I know, sorry, Louie, if you ever hear this, but I know if you, if you put your glasses on, I know you're going to read the Bible. So you're going to, you're going to go to your podium unless you get that shot ready. If you take your glasses off, that means you're about to walk away and who knows what's going to happen. So you better be ready. Does Andy have any kind of cues like that for those operators to know when is it, when can I go to the next slide or, or whatever? Um, there's certainly audible cues. So like when it comes to just his notes that he's looking at, those preview slides, there's certainly like he goes through stuff and we know that once he, once he hits that, we go to the next one, you know? So yeah, there's multiple cues between when you're going to actually see something on screen. I don't know that there's necessarily like visual cues. Uh, honestly, I, it, the place I kind of sit on a Sunday morning, I have a view of the room where they're doing everything for the message, like the message cut and, and graphics and all that stuff. And I mostly see them heads down. 
So, I mean, for the most part, they're listening to Andy and 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 moving based yeah. on based and on Andy is good cues. enough at sticking to his outline and his notes that it's they can follow along. Oh yeah, I mean it's they're helpful. following his note. He get, we have a copy of his notes, his outline. It's very detailed. Tells us when a slide is, you know. Tells us when a preview is, you know. So it's very. It's very clear what needs to happen. So if we follow the map correctly, yeah. we're good. We do mess up every Sunday. I mean, sure. there's a point where it's, we'll we'll jump jump a slide accidentally or miss a slide altogether or or whatever. But um, you know, so it's not it's not perfect by any stretch. But um, it's it's pretty good. He sets us up very well to do our jobs very well. That's great. So one thing I noticed uh, with North Point's teaching display is that. There's not fancy graphics. It usually is two colors. You said fancy. Fancy. <laughs> Georgia. Sometimes there's a third in there. There's, there's a few colors. Okay, a few colors. Yeah, you're, but you're right. It's there's, mostly it's, it's black mostly background. like a black background, gray text, yellow text. Is that it's, intentional it's, from a production standpoint or an artist standpoint or? I don't think it's from a production standpoint. It's more from a just a distraction okay. standpoint. Like I'm not trying to create anything fancy graphics. I'm not trying to get a a visual, you know, I'm not trying to make something necessarily crazy aesthetic. I mean, one one of my, my, my biggest job is to create a distraction-free environment. Mm-hmm. And so the less I can, the more I can just support Andy with words and, and scripture and that type of stuff on a display, the better. Um, just to make it simple. Got it. So, I mean, yeah, we, if we wanted to, sure, we could make things super cool and and have graphics behind it and we could yeah. figure out ways to to make that work with cameras and you know not not clash with the set or with the sh- color of Andy's shirt or whatever the other things we might be looking at are but I think but what, keeping yeah. it simple What's is the gain there you know yeah, yeah, it's, there's a lot of a lot of work for maybe a little payoff maybe I don't know maybe <laughs> yeah and we've we've done it before it's not like we haven't ever done any of that because we have but it's not necessarily I, I don't know that we've ever thought, oh, this is this is worth the trouble time, yeah. you know, the gain yeah. on it. So there is obviously, I can, I'll say it instead of you, but there's obviously things that like, if you do a fancy um, full color design thing, there is things to think about like shirt color, shirt colors, a set color, all that kind of stuff. Like you're just adding a bunch of other variables in it. And so I think that's important for people to understand when the thinking about teaching display it is very much like visible a hundred percent of the time during the message. Right. And like, is there just remove opportunities for distraction. Know, people to be distracted you yeah. know, from that? So yeah. that's. Do that's you guys important. still, I think I remember correct if I'm wrong, but cause we've had to do it a few times um, at different places I've been. But one of the biggest fears is when we roll the TV out is, is the TV on? Cause if yep. you're sending black to it, how do you know if the TV is actually on? Yep. You guys, do you still put like a little dot in one of the corners of the first slide? There's the first slide of the presentation has um, a tiny, uh, it's kind of, it's pretty gray and it says on. Yeah, It says on, okay. There's a a tip for you. And so uh, generally, actually the guys here in video, because of how we have to frame cameras before Andy comes up and we're, you know, we're not, we actually don't see it here on camera. We rely on a producer in the room to kind of, you know, you'll hear somebody in the control room say, hey, do you see the on? Yeah. You know, do you gotcha. see that it's on? And the, we'll get the affirmative from the room that once that TV is set, that it is on. Yeah, good. Because certainly, <laughs> I mean, and certainly we've learned because times it hasn't right. been on. Yeah. Um, or So you didn't have, power that, got cut. that slide wasn't there from day one is what you're saying. That slide yeah. was not. That was learned. <laughs> that, was, that was the school of hard knocks. Been several guys that have had to go out on stage while after Andy started his message and yeah, being broadcast to the rest of the city and um, tried to figure out why this, great thing, why this TV isn't on. Because remember that center shot, like while in a video cut, you can make people disappear on stage. Right. Yeah. But that center shot, the pe- that big 28-foot screen. Yeah. What, if you, you walk on stage, you're walking on camera. Right. Yeah. Well, your speaker is also not going to just be able to ignore the fact that right. there's some random, right. you know, yeah. six-foot, four-foot dude standing there and trying to get a TV working. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how do you ignore that? Yeah. That's great. So, uh, anything that we haven't talked about that you're like, hey, uh, just be aware of this or aware of that. Like, are you, and you mentioned moving to OLED. Yeah, I think the only other thing to to really address, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but um, is our communicators have worked really hard to make it an effective tool. Mm-hmm. So, 
where the teaching display is not an effective tool is if you're not standing by it and you're referring to it. Mm. So obviously if you're standing at center stage and that, that TV is 15 feet away from you when you're trying to make a point and, and point towards a, a word or a, um, or a phrase, now you're not doing iMag in your room at all anymore. Yeah. Um, so you've actually, <laughs> you got some huge wide shot and it's not even helpful yeah. um, to try and get them both in. So there's a lot of things with, you know, in regards to that, that our communicators and specifically Andy have done a great job of knowing when he's got to stand next to it and when it's effective. So you mentioned that earlier, like yeah. communicators working with us and understanding the importance of video and Andy's the best in the world at that. That's a conversation you had to initiate with the communicators. Like, yeah. Hey, for this to work, we need you to do this X, Y, and Z. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. I mean, even, you know, you bring in things like props or whatever. I mean, we're able to talk about it all the time. Cool. That's great. I think that's a cool culture thing. Like it's important to know, like, it does take both production and the pastor to realize, like, to make this thing for the pastor to be able to communicate effectively. It requires a team right. conversation about that. Absolutely. So, yeah, cool. Um, all right, so you mentioned plasma, and we rode through the days of LCD. LCD never showed up on the stage. Uh, OLED not, not that did, I'm right? aware of. Okay. Certainly not. Certainly not here and with Andy. Okay, so why? Why? Uh, we just not, honestly weren't able to make it look good. Okay. I mean, we tried. We certainly tried a lot of things. We tried a lot of. We've experimented with a ton of different stuff, and we we've either decided that it wasn't reliable enough, or it wasn't enough bang for the buck, or it was too distracting. Like we played with clear. You know, we played with mm-hmm. played with those displays that are that are completely transparent um and they just didn't they just weren't as effective they were more distracting than they were helpful you know and there's we've played around with things like you know battery or you know how do we put a battery down there and not have to have cables and do wireless transmission to it you know all of those things that we get asked those questions she's like why are you not doing this and it's kind of like i don't know i I need it to work every time so the most reliable way for that to work is cables you know maybe we'll come up with something at some point that'll that we feel we'll feel more comfortable with, but for right now, it's more important to me that it that it work. So you chose an OLED because of the the black 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 is black, black is black. Okay, and that just it just looked better than LCD, a gray yeah. a gray LCD display. and some LED TV technology doesn't get there. Yeah, okay, and right. that's why we hung on to plasma so long. I mean, it was a fifty eight inch you know Panasonic professional display that. We used for 10 years probably. Yeah. Um, and we just held on to that until we were able to to find something that cool. worked just as well. Smaller form factor, less bezel. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So you've been at North Point for a long time. Um, I think a trend in church staffing, you know this, and we all like is longevity is, is rare. To be at a church. Oh, so, as far as staff members sticking yeah. around for a long time? Right. Or prediction, particularly yeah. in production? Right. Um, what are you seeing in that regard? Are you seeing that same thing? It, longevity being an issue? Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a lot of there's a lot of trend of um, either guys going to work for integrators or guys going freelance um, from the church world. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely something that's happening. It's been happening for 10 years. Yeah. Probably where it's been just a, a huge trend. Yeah. So what was been this? Uh, uh, we talked about this earlier before we hit record, but I'm going to ask you anyway, and we'll see what you say. <laughs> Great. Um, hopefully we can edit this. Yeah. Well, we won't, but it'll be all good. <laughs> Great. Um, so what has been your, like, I mean, you've been at a large church organization for 20 years. Like 19. We're really hoping he makes it to 20. <laughs> We're really hoping. You told me to say 20. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Doing what Rusty tells me to do, y'all. Um, all right, so 19 years. What's the, you know, if you could give any advice to people out there that's like that really wants to, how, how do you last 20 years in a church organization? I mean. I think I told you this when we talked before. I was like, I don't know how to, I don't really know how to answer that question. I don't, I don't necessarily know how to get advice. I know I've been blessed, you know, by working alongside 
and for um, people that are just some of the best to work for in the world. Um, you know, people know that Andy Stanley's a great leader and, you know, I can say it firsthand as somebody who gets to interact with him on a weekly basis. Like he is, he's a great leader. He lives out what he says. Um, and it's just great to, to work in an organization where people are open to having conversations and, you know, um, and, and talking about stuff. So when we hit hard stuff, we're able to have actual real conversations about how to resolve it and how to make things better. Um, you know, and we were able to innovate. I, I love innovation and um, my team does. And so we get to experiment with a lot of stuff and we get to, to play with a lot of stuff and try, try different stuff. We have that freedom from our leadership to, to do that. So I think that's a lot of what has kept me around. I really believe in the local church. I love the local church. Um, and I'm excited that to, you know, to be in an organization that really believes in that too. And so it's, um, it's just a, you know, it's just a great place to work and be and, and stay. So I mean, that's a lot of why I'm here. I don't know how to give that advice to everybody else. Um, You know, I think open communication with leadership is key. And so um, hopefully if there's, you know, if there's leadership or pastors out there that that happen to listen to some random um, video (laughs) podcast, podcast, that would be awesome. um, (laughs) Then, you know, at least the production guys will be sending it to them and say, hey, you need to listen. Yeah, listen just to this last, you know, three-minute segment. Yeah, there you go. You know, I just highly, highly encourage those pastors to to listen to their guys. They're, you know, there's a lot of really smart guys that aren't just – I think there's a – there can be a stigma that the tech guys just want to play with a bunch of technology and, and that kind of stuff. I, I don't think that's necessarily always true. I think mm. most – most guys that want to work at a church understand that it's less pay and a lot of hours and that type of thing. And they're doing it for a greater reason than just, you know, making a paycheck or wanting yeah. to play with tech toys. Like they, they actually do believe in the local church. They believe in your local church and um, you might want to give them a listen when they want to try to help make things better. Man, that's good. That's good. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah. They should put that on the, on the main podcast. Yes, we should. <laughs> Um, man, uh, anything else we need to talk about today today? I mean, there's, there's a million things that we can talk about in North Point that we don't have time for. And, um, oh, you can come back. Yeah. And is there anything real quick, anything, I mean, I know you guys are in 2110, but is there anything else that's like what you're looking forward to technology wise? Uh, always looking for the best, you know, the next hologram technology. Okay. So still, <laughs> still holding out cards for the hologram. Side uh, note. <laughs> um, there, real quick. There was a moment in time when multi-campus started where, like, there was a rumor that North Point was doing hologram technology, right? Sure. And that that you were not doing hologram technology. No, we've never done any kind of okay. hologram technology. Yeah, it was so. just a big white screen that came down with a projector. Yeah, okay. But it, what, I mean, that's what you would say if you knew how to do hologram technology but didn't want anybody <laughs> else to know how to do it. That's exactly what you would say. <laughs> right. So, just to clear the air, yeah. it looked really, really good, but it was not a hologram. So, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I mean, it still looks really good. I mean, we're, um, we've, you know, we've started to do small things with 4K. So we're actually recording that center screen in 4K. Okay. Um, I'm hoping to, to be able to make that live in some rooms, probably start here locally, maybe in the West at some point and actually get in 4K and see if that, you know, makes an improvement. You know, there's, there's some little things here and there. Um, that's what 2110 is kind of enabling us to do a little bit is to kind of push the boundaries of, 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 of things. And I feel like it's kind of like the stepping stone to be able to innovate more is, you know, having more bandwidth to, to do different things and easier to throw up HDR, go to 4k or play with other formats. Um, it, it just enables some of that stuff to be a whole lot easier than, than it otherwise might be. Cool. I, I'm looking forward to, so we're going to, the MXU live tour is going to be at Buckhead Church and, um, yep. this podcast, hopefully, I'm pretty sure it will be published before that event. So looking forward to, uh, hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Um, looking forward to having you on that day. And, will, you, will you be there? Will I be there? Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. TBD. Uh, TBD. TBD. Okay. See, yeah. I'm trying to work it at the moment. I can't be there, but I'm trying to work it out. <laughs> okay. And Bagwell knows that. Yeah. So awesome. We're working on it. Yeah. But if not, if you guys should come, 
if you're anywhere near the Atlanta area. And if you're not, this is the best airport to fly to. So come to the tour stop. That's right. And you can ask anyone from North Point any questions that you have from this podcast. Episode. I do know. I mean, even if I'm not there, I do know. I've, I've seen a Slack thread with a bunch of guys that are that are planning to be there. Awesome. On your team. So like from your team. Yeah, from from my team and from our campus teams. Cool. Um, you know, and all, everybody, all these guys know everything. So they're we'll have a we'll have a good amount of amount of people around if there are questions and I'm gonna I'll just say it we'll probably give some tours back ahead of production spaces if you want to see them or that kind of thing I don't know if they've committed to that but hey sounds like they just fine. at the end of the day if you're listening to this and you're gonna come to Atlanta come find Rusty and I and then we'll yeah we'll connect the dots yeah that guy's a cool place with it being on the second story and yeah, I mean, it's like building. it's like this, you know, big North Point, almost, you know, it's nearly the size of Bucket or North Point, but it's, you know, on two acres instead of 30. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's a, it's very cool, very unique building. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time today. Um, it's awesome to hear the history of video and what you guys, how you guys innovated and where you're at now. So thanks for your really time. Really cool to hear your heart behind a lot of it too. So that was, that was probably my favorite part. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate you coming and including me. Yeah. We'll talk to you later. See you guys. If you've seen or heard anything from MXU, you've probably gathered that we care deeply about helping you create healthy teams. We know that you have a lot on your shoulders, but you don't have to bear it all alone. MXU can come alongside you to help you recruit volunteers and bring them on board in a healthy way. With our platforms, you gain back valuable ministry time as we take over the bulk of training from entry level to advanced concepts in audio, video, and lighting. Keeping your team healthy should be a priority at any church, and a healthier team means a healthier you. Start building a healthy team at getmxu.com.